We had a collaboration with some Chinese com uh, Chinese uh, scientists. Here we have a vaccine. What is the problem? Get over it. What we are very proud of now is that we penetrate the cabinets. Seriously, I'm, I'm making a serious point. I don't know what half of them are protesting against. We've still got Fauci walking around free. The man should be in irons in the darkest pit. As much as he touts that he cares about it, he doesn't. This is our revolution. It's not theirs. Don't let them take it from you. Don't let them convince you that it's their revolution when in fact it's not. It's ours. And we will have it. It is Wednesday, the 16th day of November, the year of our Lord, 2022. I'm Johnny Anderson alongside Bruce Adams. And joining us today from CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com is Weston. Weston, how are you? Doing great. How are Fantastic. you? Fantastic. I'm great. If I felt any better, it wouldn't be legal. Bruce, how are you today? <laughs> I, I understand you had a little bit of a technical difficulty yesterday, and you had to go and you couldn't say goodbye to all the listeners. What happened? Uh, Well, the housemate knocked on the... Uh door here and uh said you need to come out here immediately so i went out and uh it was a loud hissing noise the plumbers were excavating the backyard uh for the uh drainage line and uh they hit the gas line and it was bad uh like the the guy was he was pale white the gas company that came out they were pale white the amount of gas that was coming out of it you could see it billowing out like you could see the ripples in the air from it it, it uh Anyway, so we evacuated and uh, uh, we were gone for a good two hours or so, uh, two and a half hours, I think. Sounds fun. And it took him two. It took him two hours to shut off the gas. But anyway, survived. I'm healthy and alive. We're good. Everything's good. Now. Wasted all that gas. What are you gonna do? Like it's it's just like that's as bad as Vladimir Putin just you know spewing gas yeah. all over the place, using energy as a weapon. That's what was going on there. Yeah. Do you know so why it, just, it took him so long to uh, turn off the the gas pipe? That I don't know exactly, because uh, they were all here within like 15 minutes of it happening. The mm -hmm. fire department, gas company, everybody was here. I don't know if it was a matter of getting it shut off and capping it took them that long, or if it mm -hmm. was just it took them two hours to shut it off. I, I, I don't know the, the whole gist of it, okay. but it took them a while. Nonetheless, I'm glad you're healthy and alive. You almost wouldn't be if, if that had gone off. If that would have gone off, it would have leveled probably the, the four houses that... Um, share the easement right where it was at. it was literally at the corner of those four houses and it probably would have um the amount of gas that was coming out of there would have probably at least done a lot of damage to the houses i'd say so well nonetheless i'm glad that all is back to normal and i'm glad you now have a a working drain line and i'm glad that that gas line has been patched up so moving right along here where would you gentlemen like to start? We've got a number of things we can discuss. We can talk about the uh, the Texas thing. We can talk about the uh, the crypto exchanges that are in free fall collapse. We can talk about the central bank digital currencies. We like to talk about the central bank and cartel since Weston is on with us today. We uh, we really love delving down into that one. We can talk about, uh, again, we, we can talk about Texas because Weston, you're in Texas. Bruce, you're just north of Texas. Uh, so I think it'd be a, a good topic to cover. So where would you, we can talk about what's going on in, uh, in Eastern Europe, what the Russians have just done. Done, supposedly. Uh, I don't know. We're still trying to get confirmation, but you've got countries over there that are convening Security Council uh, meetings at the moment. We can talk about the G20. I've got a new clip from dear old Klaus Schwab talking about how the world is going to be theirs and giving a real Bond villain type uh, persona while he's up there at the podium. Uh, it's quite funny, actually. But 
anyway, we've got all that multitude of, of topics I just named off, plus anything else. So, I mean, what, where would you guys like it's, to start? Weston, what do you think? It's, it's overwhelming, really. Um, I just wanted to mention before we get into that too deep into any you know particular topic, I wanted to mention that we posted on Sunday on the cuttingthroughthematrix.com. We had posted a, a talk where from December 13, 2008, where Alan is talking about psychiatric drugs and how they're going to use psychiatric drugs, not just for treating mental illness, but actually for pharmacological cognitive enhancement, like amphetamines and things like that, speed, basically, and then, you know, and, and other kinds of drugs as well. And of course, now, more recently, in recent years, they weren't in that back then, but in recent years, we have psilocybin, mescaline, ayahuasca, or how do you pronounce that? Ayahuasca, uh, yes, yes. We've had yeah, GP on here talking about ayahuasca. He spent a lot of time in Costa Rica. And, <laughs> he probably doesn't know anything about that, so he says. And I, one of the articles that Melissa had posted on Sunday, November 13th, was uh, they were talking about AI-assisted enhancements in the military. And it was a very interesting article, like, is the ethics of it. You know, AI-assisted assisted warfighters and, or something it was called. And in that article, they made a very interesting point about how they're going to convince people or how they're going to convince uh, troops in particular. But, you know, you could, I, I would say this applies to society generally, to uh, go along with these enha enhancements. Or so-called enhancements, or, or so-called, you know, the beneficial effects of all these different drugs they want you to be on. And what they said was, is that it's very similar to what they said is like individuals don't matter as individuals as long as we can get the most people to go along with it. Then basically the outcome, we, then we get the outcome we want. And there was, they said it was the same thing as vaccination. I thought that was a very interesting uh, remark um, because you know most people because like as long as most people are vaccinated, you'll have herd immunity according to the science that we're supposed to believe. The general public is supposed to believe. And so they were saying, well, same thing with the cognitive enhancements and the, the biotechnology and so on. If we can convince, you know, most troops to do it, then we could have the operation, you know, success, the operational out outcomes that we want in the military from this, as long as we can get most troops to accept it. And so I thought that was like a, a little uh, interesting that they're using the vaccination thing is to argue their case. Yeah, um, yeah. And, and I, that's an interesting point. I, and I, I'm sorry, I don't mean to interject, but how, how do they mm -hmm. hope to apply this? Or was that explained in the... Uh uh, well, the, they're wanting the people to take uh, what, what they're wanting to do is that people have troops take drugs so they don't have to sleep like they can you know, stay up for long periods of time, not, not needing any sleep, um, enhance their memory, strength, super, uh, super soldier idea, like Halo, Master Chief from Halo sort of idea, you know, augmented reality, uh, you name it, you know, that they're wanting to use all these neuro new neurotechnologies and biotechnologies and things, uh, enhancers, enhancing drugs to uh, create super soldiers. And, and they're claiming, and well, of course, one of the reasons, I think most linked to another article from the UK, where they're talking about doing it in the UK as well. And they were saying, well, we have to do it because the other countries are talking about doing it. And so we're going to be left behind if we don't do it. So we have to, you know, create these supers or try to like research how to, you know, enhance our, our soldiers with all these drugs, which they're already, at least once they leave the military and they, you know, already they're so drugged and they're, so many of them been diagnosed with PTSD. And then and she linked to another article talking about, how they want to treat this with psilocybin. And they demanded, like it said, it said like the end of the article, like, dear, I think it was from the Military Times or something, it was some sort of military magazine. She and Melissa had linked to it. He said, oh, dear president, talking to Joe Biden, saying, uh, please give us psilocybin. You know, at the end of the article, it was, it was very, um, just bizarre. Um, because, well, I'll tell you how far along, like this is, this is from my own personal experience, um, the drugging of society has come. I mean, it's not just the military. I mean, society in general, and Alan was talking about that in the Redox talk. When I was in high school, 
there's a teacher. I, th- I don't think she's supposed to do. I think I'm sure, almost certain that she was breaking some rule, but she did anyway. She didn't care about the rules. And she asked the class, how many of you have been on meds or are currently taking meds? You know, like psychiatric type meds or presumably some kind. Of, I maybe I mean, she was a general question. Just are you on meds? Basically. OK, you and, can't ask that. But OK, I see what you mean about breaking. Yeah. <laughs> and everyone in the room raised their hand, the whole class. So that's a striking illustration, you know, from my own experience that like, OK, society is drugged big time already. It has. That was 11 years ago. So, you know, it's, I think now that the they've sort of had, OK, everybody's mentally ill. You all sort of joke about, you know, like in psychiatry, you know, they have a lot of people, you know, saying, oh, we got to put every, all the children on drugs or the teachers are pushing drugs on because on the children because they're not paying attention in class or spacing out or whatever. Well, they know that, you know, people don't like to be called mentally ill, you know, and that they just say, well, you're mentally ill, you know, and you, you can kind of, kind of go back and forth with each other. So now I think one of the strategies, at least from what I've seen from how they're going to market all these drugs that they want us to take, like psilocybin and so on, you're going to say, well, this stuff is so good for you. It makes you more creative. It enhances your memory. Like it makes you better, better able to remember things. It improves your mood. You know, it can help fight anxiety and depression. It can help you overcome addiction. Don't you want to quit smoking cigarettes? Well, if you do all those things, you should take psilocybin because that's what it does. You know, this sort of thing. And this is how they're marketing the drugs. And of course, they're quietly sleeping under the rug. All the different previous studies on, uh, you know, these these drugs that have been done a long time ago showing different side effects. They did that with cannabis, like the hyperemesis, cannabinoid hyperemesis. You know, that, that study, I, I had mentioned on air that they had known about that sort of thing since 1940s, I think. And I, I hopefully, if I can find that article, I will post it on the ConnectedToMatrix.com articles, article archives. But allegedly, according to Alan, yeah, they, they had done autopsies on people that had been smoking cannabis versus people who hadn't been. And they had known about you know the, the, the effects on the stomach and so on since like 1940s. You know, and the, but you had then the, he, was, he was reading articles at the time, like in the 2010s, saying, oh, yeah, we, we didn't, because it, it was illegal, you know, we, we didn't know any side effects and we're just now researching this and you know and the pharmaceutical companies yeah it it is and like the pharmaceutical companies they would be the ones obviously that would be running this whole thing in you know cooperation with like governments and stuff but kind of like they did with the uh the covid uh jabs drugs like paxlovid and and things like that but Mm -hmm. the, the pharmaceutical companies themselves they don't have a very good track record with prescription drugs in general i'm not speaking about one in particular here i'm not speaking about one in particular at all and my point to that is is the following how many times do you see a drug advertised because in the u.s every single i think every single television network is sponsored by a pharmaceutical drug or drug company but in the u.s you see these drug ads which i think is about every other commercial after that drug ad the next commercial break you'll see a class action lawsuit about a drug that they advertised six months to a year ago that caused, I don't know, X, X, Y, or Z, or or it killed somebody. Okay, so this is going to be okay now, all of a sudden, because they're sweeping under the rug all the uh, all the past studies and things. So is this going to be the uh, uh, the new, I, I don't know, they're starting with a clean slate or or what? Yeah, it, uh, they really, the, the pharmaceutical industry is just, well, uh, big pharma is horrible, and it's also tied into... The military industrial complex. Um, it's it, you know big pharma, and of course, like just like I was talking about with the military. I mean, they're and they're trying to create super soldiers out of these all these different drugs that they come up with, and uh, as well as biotechnology as well. But uh, you know that the, of course, you know part of uh, the military industrial complex, you know, and the surveillance complex, and so on. You know, they don't want people. I think 
Alan and I talked about this before too. Like uh, as soon as like they 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 sort of have you categorized and they know your circle of friends, they know your routines, and if you break that. If you stop associating with some of your friends or you stop, you break your routine, you start doing something different. They want to know why, because you're, you're constantly monitored and there's data get, being collected on you real time and all these apps on your phone and on the Internet as you're surfing around and so on and social media. That uh, if, as soon as you b- break your habit, well, maybe not a particular individual, but certainly they have uh, AI and algorithms and things analyzing data that they're collecting on you all the time. And they want to know immediately why. And if you've changed your behavior and p- particularly if it's something like it's not something... Uh, conducive to say a, a career you're not going to be you know a productive citizen you're just going to be i don't know out painting or something being a hermit i don't know uh they, they don't like that you know they want because you know uh, you got that your whole purpose in life according to the you government in the un is is to you know you gotta be a good taxpayer what they will do is drug you that's really what that's really a solution is the is that you're a crazy person you need to be drugged sort of thing it's a very inhumane system and uh I think uh, I think Weston Price sort of you know in the nutrition and physical degeneration book they wrote he had that picture of that Indian family in Canada live way up north out in the middle of nowhere in the woods and he said this is the happiest family I've ever seen this isolated family you know out in the middle of nowhere just you know living you know on their own and I think uh, you know a lot of people living within civilization wish they could have that or they wish that they could you know just be left alone and not have professionals run their lives and have all these drugs pushed on them and so on but uh, of course. Because of advances in t- science and technology, the, you can't live that primitive way of life and um, and still survive. At least maybe there's a lucky few. I mean, Alan would joke that, okay, maybe there's a lucky few like the savages in Brave New World. You get to be on a, a little a territorial, uh, little a state park type thing where you can be sort of viewed as a curiosity, as a, sort of like a, a, in a zoo where you can show people how the traditional pre-industrial way of life or something. But for most people, it's just not possible to go back to some more you know primitive way of life. So what, what do you do? And I think that's a large part of you know waking up and changing the matrix and, and finding yourself. And uh, is this okay? How do I you know live in the modern world and, and still be a human and still have my own individuality, my own sense of uh, truth and uh, morality and so on? Well, that requires time, requires patience, and it requires courage, my friend. So yeah. you know it's it's a big it's a big challenge for somebody to take that on. Uh, and it's not something that comes easy and it's not something that will ever be fully satisfied in in my opinion at least that's how I see it uh, from my own personal experiences it's a constant ongoing thing you've got to constantly do upkeep on yourself and I mean daily I'm not talking I'll get to it yeah. once a week it's a daily yeah. thing to stay on top of of things and yourself to make sure that you don't fall back into that um well, back into the matrix, but let's, yeah. <laughs> uh, but, but let's be honest. I mean, I'm, I'm to this point now where, I mean, there, like, there's no going back for me. It doesn't really matter. Uh, there, right. there's no possible way that's like that. I, I could never go back to well, that. Well, yeah, you, for sure. You couldn't, because like I said, I mean, basically if you tried to go back, they'd say, well, you're a crazy person. You need to be medicated. And then they'd medicate you. And then you'd lose yourself because that's literally what the medication, I mean, I remember I talked to a a counselor and he was saying, talking about like schizophrenics and so on after they've been medicated. All they do all day is is drink Coke and watch TV all day. I mean, how is that you? That's not you. That's just, uh, you've been turned into some lifeless zombie, you know? Yeah. It's, it's scary in a real sense. If you think about it, it's like, that's, that's a scary way to, to be, to just be. And Winston, like Winston at the end of 1984, where he loves big brother, you know? Uh, I mean, this is. Yeah. You don't want that end. You yeah. just can't. You won't. I, I mean, I would never allow that. 
So I mean, there's no choice but to just fight the system and just keep on trying to improve yourself. And they're uh, still pushing it, as in like they're, yeah. they're still pushing this this forced uh, medication. Uh, and case in point, the G20 is going on right now. Mm -hmm. Uh, as mm -hmm. I was talking earlier about how uh, I've got a clip of uh, Klaus Schwab, but this isn't Schwab. This is the health minister in Bali, and he's calling on the G20 to implement full vaccine passport systems for movement around the globe. Listen to this. So let's have a digital health certificate acknowledged by WHO. If you have been vaccinated or tested properly, then you can move around. So for the next pandemic, instead of stopping the movement of the people 100%, which clogged the economy globally, you know, you can still provide some movement of the people. Indonesia has achieved, G20 country has agreed to have this digital certificate using WHO standard, and we will submit into the next the uh, World Health Assembly in Geneva as the revision to international health regulation. So hopefully for the next pandemic, we can still see some movement of the people, some movement of the goods and movement of the economy. What were you saying about forced drugs and forced medication again? Well, I was saying that uh, they are going to market towards you, it towards you as it's you know so good for you that you have to be crazy not to want it. And, uh, and that, that way they can convince most people to do it. And then, of course, a few outliers will uh, not really count in the grand scheme of things because there'd be too too few of them. That's exactly the narrative they pushed during COVID, is you would be crazy not to take the vaccine. Yeah. People would look at you crazy if you told them, no, I'm not vaccinated and I don't plan to be. Do you remember? And the, they'd be uh, like, they, they'd be so indignant about it. Do, do you remember that ad that came out from uh, from UNICEF for the COVID vaccine? And it looked like an ad for Chanel number no. five. Do you remember that? <laughs> I do. Yeah. Like that's that's how they're marketing it to everybody is, oh, you've got to have it. It's it's the latest thing. It's like have a vaccine and a smile. You remember it was like the Coca-Cola commercial. Have a Coke and a smile. Same thing. Yeah. And again, you know, the, the article, they actually explicitly linked to it in the military. They're saying, look, look at what we did with the vaccines. We should do that you know, with this all these uh, yes. ecological cognitive enhancers. Yes. Know? Yes. Look how many people you have uh, enhanced with your vaccine. You tell me that's a success. Yeah, sure. Um, well, and. Yeah, go real, on. Real quick, yeah. uh, you, you were talking about um, uh, bringing up the military and talking about that and how they're using both AI and pharmaceutical drugs. Um, one of the things that I remember that just came out here recently is they have augmented um, um, reality now uh, glasses they wear mm -hmm. and it completely changes. Basically, the, the one they were working on is it outlines all the different um, contrasts and everything. So it's easier to distinguish things like uh, humans, vehicles, buildings, those kind of things. It, it, it causes them to really pop out more uh, and, and you can see them um, from a strictly uh, like engineering or from a efficiency standpoint. That's ah, a great idea. But then you run into the ethics and morals of things and like, I don't know, you, you start getting into gray areas when this kind of stuff happens, because these these also affect things like um, um, IFF, uh, so friend or foe uh, identification. Um, it 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 starts delving into the world of uh, you know Black Mirror stuff to where they just started changing uh, you know what you've seen and heard and and the military were going after these alien roach things or whatever it was and it ended up not being an alien roach it was 
other human beings that were saying the wrong narrative. I'm sorry if Bruce seems distracted. It's because I'm playing the uh, the Chanel number five. Or excuse me, the COVID nineteen vaccine ad <laughs> on the screen behind me that was put out by Unicef. Oh, wow. It looked like a perfume commercial, didn't it? It's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. lady in red. Never trust her. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, what? yeah Matrix, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> well, the Matrix. Yeah. The red dress? yeah. Yeah, look again. Yeah, right. <laughs> Shall we play the clip of Klaus? Uh, well, we'll be playing it more than once this week. He did a whole opening speech and everything. It's like 10 minutes long. I'm not going to play the whole thing. But this was the main point that he tried to get across about how the world will be reshaped by them. Not you, not me, them. It's their world, you see. It's not yours. It's not mine. It belongs to them. And they're going to tell you how much differently it's going to look after they remake it. Of course, if you look at all the challenges, we can speak about the multi-crisis, an economic, a political, a social, an ecological, an institutional crisis. But actually, what we have to confront is a deep, systemic, and structural restructuring of our world. And this will take some time. And the world will look differently after we have gone through this transition process. Politically, the driving forces for this political transformation, of course, is the transition into a multipolar world, which has a tendency to make our world much more fragmented. And for these reasons, events like this one, the G20, and so on, are the very important connectors to avoid a too great segmentation. This has the potential to cause great fragmentation. Do you, do you mean people might actually get wise to the fact that your policies have created this disaster in the first place and want to break away from it? Is that is that what he's meaning? Because it sounds exactly like what he's trying to say. Yeah, I think uh, Klaus, Klaus Schwab, uh, the Bond villain character, he... It's laughable. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's laughable. It's, it's just ridiculous. <laughs> But, uh, you know, they've been complaining about populism, you know, with Brexit and Trump being elected president, especially uh, increasingly since then. But even before that, I think you had, uh, after the Bernie Madoff scandal and so on, you had the Levinson inquiry in Britain and, and different ones in, in other British Commonwealth countries that sort of, you know, to put a clamp on news and what you could say on news. In fact, one of the things that Alan pointed out during the COVID crisis or it was uh, that he read an article back in the day during the swine flu era in 2009, and he, he was talking, like, this is in The Guardian, talking about how, like, how critical this Guardian article was of, of the swine flu so-called pandemic at the time. And like he was saying, this would never happen in the COVID era. Like, you know, it's just because the media, because since that time, since the swine flu the, the happened, you know, the, the media has been really cleaned out. And if any sort of independent journalism, critical voices of authority and so on, they've really cleaned it out. And, and it's mainly entertainment and sports and government handouts. And there's not much real independent journalism. Yeah. Um, I, so I follow other like, you know, the uh, in doing the podcast, we we will look at both the left and the right media. And mm -hmm. uh, as they claim alt right uh, media, which is not true at all, it's just conservative media. But anyway, 
they were talking about all the negatives of of COVID and and all the stuff. They were sounding the alarm on the vaccines and how they were untested and some of the side effects and how they, this was all being drummed up and it was you know the falsehoods that were COVID. But uh, if they tried, Epoch Times did a lot of that, I think. Yeah, if no. they tried to post it anywhere though, like mm-hmm. on social media, mm-hmm. they were immediately silenced. So they were only allowed in their own little ghettos, uh, if you will, your yeah. your own little walled in uh, areas that they controlled. That's the only place that you were allowed to say those things. If you brought it outside of those walls into the uh, populace greater, well, you were immediately silenced. You were not allowed to talk about such things. Yeah, and media censorship, it's, it's no sign of slowing. Um, like still on YouTube, I, I, I could try to post a video and immediately you get slapped with, you know, warning, you know, here's the official information, you know. Uh, it's just, just, I guess I just have it programmed now and... You know, a lot of people are hopeful that uh, that uh, maybe it'll stop. It'll stop up because you know Twitter is laying off fifty percent of its employees. Facebook's laying off people. Um, and all sorts of tech companies are laying people off. But really, uh, I wouldn't get your your hopes up too much. Um, I was listening to that Whitney Webb interview with Glenn Beck, and she had, and I hadn't looked into this, but she was saying that even Elon Elon Musk actually is tied to Tencent, uh, the Chinese company that does the WeChat. This total surveillance thing, and he was, yes. and she was saying that Elon Musk is actually promoting a sort of WeChat equivalent in the West, or maybe like trying to turn. That's what he's of, trying to turn Twitter yeah. into is WeChat, basically. Yeah, which is uh, he's know, actually said that in public uh, that mm-hmm. he wants to convert. Yeah, it. I, I missed that article or that video, so I didn't realize that. But yeah, that's incredible admission. The you know, the, okay, what do we have to look forward to in the future of social media? Well, we have we can look to China. The model it, that yeah. uh, that interview actually had some interesting bits in there too, talking about how uh, Musk could potentially be a um, wolf in sheep's clothing, uh, if you will, because mm-hmm. if you look at things like he's still pushing um, artificial intelligence, he's still pushing augmentation, he's still pushing um, all the stuff that you know the the Klaus Schwab's of the world are pushing. He's doing the same thing now. His argument is. Well, I'm doing it to, um, he's trying to find a solution. This is, this is his claim. He's trying to find a solution that, uh, creates AI to the point that it's, you know, self-aware, but have it self-aware and like in a symbiotic relationship with humans so that he cares about humans. Right, right. That's what, that's what his, and to be fair, everything that he's done so far has shown that he cares about humans, that it's just, I'm not sure his I'm not sure he has the right worldview to make the correct decisions. If that makes if that makes sense, um, yeah, I agree. I, I think, don't think he does. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it's going to yeah. end up being he's going to create these things, and then the Klaus Schwabs of the world are going to be like, "Well, that's exactly what we wanted," you know, and it, it's just going to play <laughs> into their hand, you know. Yeah, and I think uh, I mean part of it uh, is is that you know once you, especially a billionaire like Musk, I think most of his fortune he came he he got from making deals with the government rather than. Or private business and so on and he i think it's the same with other billionaires as well like you really can't get up there unless you unless like the other billionaires are like okay this person isn't a threat to what we want you know i think that's uh it's the same case with elon musk in fact is and i know that his family has connections with uh, technocracy inc i think it was his grandfather who headed it in canada so you know like you know he came from the right sort of milieu the background um, yeah yeah his um his original, like the the beginning of his fortune, was from uh, PayPal because he he was one of the engineers right, there, right, and that's where right. the first of it came. 
But no, you're right. When you when you look at Tesla and you look at SpaceX, there's a lot of government subsidies and a lot of government involvement. Of course, with SpaceX, you have to have government clearance to even launch a rocket, which is right. absolutely absurd. If you're a company and you have the ability to launch a rocket, I'm kind of of the opinion that what are you going to do to stop me? Like, are you going to I'm going to shoot rockets up into space. I'm going to shoot rockets up into space, <laughs> you know, but th th that's me because uh, they, they don't control it. They don't rule space. Um, nobody right. rules it at this point. Uh, but uh, yeah, he, he did have a lot of government subsidies and everything. So I'm I'm one personally. I'm I'm cautious with when it comes to Elon Musk. Um, I agree with some of his ideas, uh, some of the things like, for example, he believes climate change is a problem. Um, I kind of agree in the sense of toxification of our planet. I agree with that concept, but the man-made climate change, I'm not the on board CO2. with that. Yeah. With yeah. the CO2 and all of that, yeah. nah, that, that, that's, that's a bunch of, uh, yeah. But his, his opinion on, we shouldn't be going, uh, when solar, we should be going nuclear. We should be using petroleum until, you know, fossil fuels until we find something better, a better solution. I agree. Uh, we, we should be using that until we find a better solution. We should continue on trying to become more efficient. That That's kind of one of our goals as humans, right? Is yeah. to progress and become more efficient. But yeah, we should definitely. And, and of course, the problem with the electric solutions, you know, like for personally where I live, I only have electricity. I don't even have any gas. But the problem with electric solutions, especially like electric cars, the minerals and my, all the mining that's necessary to get all the, the, the metals to, to go in the batteries and so on, it's incredibly toxic to the environment. Um, again, you know, like there's, you know, a lot of the countries, developing countries where these mines are, you know, don't have child labor laws or they're poorly enforced or whatever, or the labor laws are poorly enforced and these miners live miserable lives and you got all these toxic, you know, pollutants coming out of these mines, just ruining the environment. It's like, how is this, you know, environmentally friendly or, or sustainable or whatever you want to agree or yeah. whatever you want to call it? Like, it's not, it's crazy. Yeah. It's, 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 it's anti-human really. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And the, go, to go back to what we were talking about, how he's kind of a wolf in sheep's clothing. Um, he So obviously Tesla, uh, electric vehicles. This also fits the agenda, though, with uh, the Klaus Schwab's. Not only is it electric vehicles, you're going to uh, own nothing and be happy about it, that, that they're pushing us towards EVs. But at the same time, they're telling us that the developing world is going to be our future CEOs. You're going to have like you know, uh, it, basically they showed a, uh, in one of their videos, a Syrian refugee and this in Syrian refugee is now the CEO of the world, like, or whatever, one of right. the CEOs, that's their vision. And honestly, he's playing right into it as well. So whether or not he's truly for the human race and trying to progress humans at this point, it doesn't really matter. He's, he's playing into their hands still. Yeah, I think the developing country rising thing. I think a, I think it was Atali in a brief history of the future. He said, you know, the American empire will last maybe until around twenty thirty six, like you know, about thirty years after he wrote that book. I think it came out. At least the English translation in two thousand, or no, it was the French in two thousand six. And you're saying, you know, you have around maybe plus or minus ten years from twenty thirty six. America is gonna, you know, collapse and just you know fall down to a standard of living comparable to the develop, developing countries, and the developing countries are gonna rise up. You know, we're gonna meet somewhere in the middle, theoretically. But 
if you look at like say like I was mentioning the mines and so on, like the amount of pollution that's going on in developing countries, uh, you know, the idea that this is a uh, you know the green or sustainable is, is just uh, is absurd. Of course, they have their own definition of sustainability, and ultimately, what is sustainable is, is defined by the UN and, and other sorts of organizations, global governance organizations, not by the popular vote or what the you know general public think about anything. The, and that is a major issue with the world. The, the question I have with um um the 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 book you're talking about that that America has till you know 25 35 36 you know around there uh-huh. or 10 years mm-hmm. in there so the developing world they're uh-huh. being exploited by the developed world right right how mm-hmm. exactly when you look at the developed world mm-hmm. when we progressed from you know we went through our industrial revolution everything that was organic that was right. we pushed into that on our own we're pushing other nations into that we're we're pushing them into it. They're not having their own revolution. They're being fed a revolution. How are they going to sustain themselves and continue moving forward? Uh, like, is it going is it going to be as stable? Is what I'm getting at, or is this going to like? Are they going to push through? Because there's a lot of other things that we learned during those times. We learned a lot of things about morals and everything, like child labor laws, as an example. Right. Uh, you know, we we changed some things. You know, women's rights, which you can argue was good or bad. You know, whatever the case, but nonetheless, we've we've done changes during that time and. It's the same thing. Are they going to do that? Are they going to have those kind of changes? Because many of these places that we're exploiting, they don't value human life at all. Uh, I I mean, as an example, China, they're pretty bad about their policies. Um, And some of the other places that are being exploited are Muslim countries and, uh, you know, bringing religion into this. Their ideology isn't the best um, when it comes to you being outside of their ideology. So India, even India as well, which I was surprising to me because they were actually one of the few places actually convicted Bill Gates of being a horrible criminal, which I completely agree with. Oh, that but trial is what, due to start in the uh, next couple of weeks, by the way. Oh, they, they haven't convicted him yet? No, not or yet. He's no, his, oh, okay. his attorneys have accepted the, the charges and the trial will go on. All right, that's good. But yeah, I was saying like it's one of the few countries that really went after Bill Gates, but India has forced sterilization camps in some parts of it, or at least it had up until fairly recently. I'm not sure if it still does like at this moment, but they had the they had mass sterilization policies and, you know, they'd pay off, you know, families to get, have the woman sterilized and so on. Yeah, these, these uh, the developing world, you know, we think, you know, in a developed world, like uh, we have a, a poor track record of human rights, which is you know true to a certain extent. I mean, we do have a human experimentation in the United States. Acres of Skin was a book Alan would bring up about that. And we do have, there's there other incidents. Oh, what was that incident? Um, there's nerve gas sprayed over someone's sheep and the military denied it for decades. I forget where it was. It was somewhere in the United States. Well, and we had the, the biological agents being sprayed. Uh, the DDT the stuff and back in like the, the, six, yeah. the 60s and the 70s. You know, they used to go through and spray like I mean, the, the commercials you would see for those in the black and white, you know, commercial TV commercials. It was kids in a pool and they were being sprayed down with this stuff, you know, this chemical. Yeah. And it was it was horrible. It was absolutely horrible. And we forget because we're so busy bashing our own country. You know, we forget that the developing countries, there's no reason to believe that those countries are going to be any nicer. In fact, and their governments, they pretty well copied us. They, and, and they so, did. You know, and to, and to your point, I'm sorry to interject, but I don't want to lose this point. Mm-hmm. To, to your point, right. Bruce, about are they going to be able to sustain? The answer is no. I, I don't think that they are. And, and the reason I say is because they shouldn't be where they are now because they haven't gone through the progression in order to get there where they are now. We've given them 
literally everything. I don't even think the Russians... Now, it's not to say that they couldn't have achieved this, but the Russians could not have achieved, at the time, nuclear technology. It couldn't have happened. We gave it to them. That was part of the deal. The same thing with uh, the North Koreans in the 90s, the Clintons. We gave it to them. We advanced these societies further along than what they should have been. It's like, I, I hate to use this analogy, but I can't think of another one right off the top of my head, but it's like giving a gun to a chimp and then the chimp shoots somebody. And what do you do? Do you blame the chimp or do you blame the person that gave him the gun in the first place? I mean, that's the same concept here. You're giving somebody a, a technology that is advancing their society along much further than what it should have been, and it doesn't come with any responsibility. It, it doesn't come with any uh, with any knowledge of that. So it, it, again, with China, China could not have achieved gain of function when it comes to which is weaponization, by the way. When it comes to a virus, genetically engineering a virus, we gave them that technology. That was twenty or thirty French. years ahead of where yeah. they were. Yeah, yeah. I think Wuhan the Institute of Virology. I think that they, 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 they came from France. The, the French partnered with them, and then we funded through the Eco Health Alliance. Yes, yes, that is true. Yeah. So we gave them that technology. They had no business even having it. It's the same thing with um, uh, with their nuclear program as well. Would they have been able to achieve nuclear technology at their current state of development? I would argue no. Would they have gotten it from somewhere else, say like the Russians or or the North Koreans? Possibly. I don't know. Because we gave it to them in the first place. I don't like this idea, and this has been going on for a long time. This is one thing that, that Quigley wrote about in Tragedy and Hope, was we advanced these societies along a lot further than what they should have been. That was a big mistake uh, on our part. We never should have done that. That shouldn't have happened. And it set us up to, to be in this position now. Yeah, the, the left condemns it as like sort of a neocolonialism. But one of the things that uh, I think really is is very exploitative and... Um, you know, reason why, you know, the US aid and, and all the different foreign aid that we give out really is not only useless, but actually quite harmful is that in many of these countries, except for like certain select industrial centers like China and India, we are not even allowing them to develop the fossil fuels and so on to get the, the electricity and so on to really have the higher standard of living that like, say, you know, developed countries have achieved. And, but yet they're still, you know, expected to have smartphones, like a sort of surveillance type technology and have sort of modernized cities and so on. And so really that, you know, a lot of people are just incredibly suffering and they're acutely aware that it could be better with current technology, but they just aren't allowed to have it because it's not sustainable or whatever. And it's just, uh, it's really designed to, you know, promote anger, I guess. Uh, you know, I think that's, we have more people aware in this present generation of the of the haves and have-nots than we ever had before. That's um, true, and i i had I had actually quoted a statistic. Uh, I want to say it was like last week or or the week before, but uh, we were talking about China specifically and their infrastructure and their uh, their living, uh, their livable, um, I guess, livable habitats or <laughs> domicile, whatever the Chinese government calls it. Sixty five percent of their living places, or you know, house not not just houses, but like apartments and those big beehive things that you see built everywhere. Sixty percent, sixty five percent of the places that are constructed for housing are unlivable because they don't have electricity and running water to them. And how do we figure that statistic? We looked at the infrastructure usage for their electricity and their water, their water facilities. It doesn't equal uh, what their population is. And yet you've got guys like Bernie Sanders running around saying, uh, well, China's lifted more people up out of poverty than any other nation in the world. Uh, well, that's true to a certain extent, but that still leaves over 65% of their population that can't live in places that they have built because 
They don't have these. It's basic stepping stones in order to progress, as you were talking about, to get your society to a certain point. And if you take that yeah. for what it is, I mean, our societies have progressed so far as they are now, as in like from, from infrastructure. If you go back to New York City in the first part of the 19th century, New York City, like it was there, but it didn't have electricity. Can you imagine what New York City would be like today with no electricity? That infrastructure is completely gone. It would be hell on earth. You would see Mad Max in that city in 48 hours. I don't even think it would take 48 hours. I think it's Mad Max now, but it's like we don't have well, the ability have to go City. back. Yeah. A lot of people yeah. have left. Yeah, but it, it, like we don't have the ability to go back. And yet these countries mm -hmm. that are developing similar type uh, systems or, or you know living areas, they haven't even reached that point yet. And yet they're expected to do all of this advanced stuff like you're talking about. The, the world is off balance. And I'm not talking about from a Klaus Schwab perspective. That's lunacy. I'm talking about from a technological and development standpoint, the world's off balance because we've advanced other parts of the world much further than they should have been to begin with. And that to your point, I, I, I just recall there's a quote from the Colorado. Again, again, hearkening back to Mario Strong's quote that, you know, we, isn't our responsibility to bring it back the bring about the collapse of the industrial societies, the developed world, because you know they had that too high a standard of living? Well, in 2052, written by Origen Randers, you know, talking about you know future out to 2052, I think he put that book out in 2012. He was saying in that book, yeah, the Chinese are going to have a bit higher standard of living, but we're not going to ever allow them to have the standard of living of the Western countries. Never. They're always going to be capped, you know, below, far below you know, what the developed countries had achieved, say, in the late 20th century, and. They're never going to have cheap cookies. I think he mentioned, or like one of the guest writers that he has throughout the book mentioned this. Like they're not even going to have cheap cookies and cheap meat and like a high protein, a high meat intake. You know, they're never going to be allowed that. And uh, you realize that you know that that's the globalist plan is that uh, they'll they'll add in you know sort of the infrastructure to do certain things that they want. Like for example, if they want to mine you know in this country and they want to have you know it be efficient, so they got to have a certain amount of technology or whatever. Or they want to have smartphones for all the people have smartphones so they can be surveilled. You know, they're going to have to have the towers or whatever, the infrastructure they need for that. But they're not uh, ever going to have the infrastructure necessary to give you a late 20th century America standard of living. Never. And that's the plan. And uh, even in America itself, and this is a point Alan had mentioned, um, that I think is an interesting point to bring up. A lot of stuff, a lot of places in America, you have the power lines above ground and you have the houses that are just like mobile homes. A lot of this stuff is very temporary looking. It looks like, you know, this is something that could, you know, be, you know, over time, over over a few decades, it's just good, it's, it won't last. And then you either have to replace it or it could go away and, and these people have to be forced to move to the cities. And so I think it could go either way. And hopefully, you no, know, well, I'm not very hopeful of it, but, you know, I, I wish that, you know, we could still have, you know, a rural life and still have with all the conveniences and so on that we Americans are used to enjoying for the past 50 years or so. But uh, it you know, looks like, from the infrastructure, just the way a lot of the infrastructure in America was built, and even the high, even the interstate highways and so on, like a lot of the, like there's certain sections of the road, especially close to certain cities and tourist areas, would be very well maintained. But a lot of the sections out, way out in the middle of nowhere, it's got all sorts of potholes and stuff, and it's not, it's not being maintained at all. And the infrastructure plans, like that, like you know, that the government has come out with, they're saying we're going to prioritize the high economic activity areas. We're not going to repair all these local areas, even if the people, local people, are actually paying taxes just to like. People in the cities are their local. Those local people's taxes aren't going to go for, to the local area. They're going to go to the high economic activity area because that's considered a more worthy investment and all this. So you know you're looking at uh, a very changed America over the next over the next few decades. 
if uh if this if this continues the cities right now the american cities in particular mm -hmm. i'd argue some of the european cities as well the cities uh -huh. are their hell pits the crime is out of control like the gangs in the streets are just it's anarchy in my opinion it's it's out of control mm -hmm. And when these so-called elected representatives, and I use that term very loosely because does anybody really believe that Kathy Hochul yeah. got reelected as governor of New York due to what's happened in that state? If you get rid of New York City, New York's a red state. Seriously. If you get rid of New York City, New York will go red. I kid you not. Have you With seen the have you seen the, the electoral map from this last oh yeah. this election? Yeah, it's like the whole state's it's, red with the exception of New York City. No, the entire United States is red. Except for a few places, yeah. and usually it's the, the high population yeah, yeah. centers. Yeah. So with, with the number of people that have moved, right, because of what happened with COVID, with the number of people that have moved, and the way that the crime is in the cities, and to kind of expound upon what you're talking about, how do they plan to get people back into the cities? If we're looking at an economic collapse... If we're looking right. at energy shortages and all that stuff, they're going to have to go in and completely rebuild all of this stuff in order to make it attractive to get people back in there. And I think that's what Klaus and his his ilk are trying to do, or that's what they're expecting to do, is come in and rebuild everything. But they have to destroy everything first and then claim to offer the solution for it. So in your opinion, how are they going to go about doing that to make these things attractive again to get people in there? Well, I think part of it is definitely just not repairing the infrastructure in the rural areas. I mean, like if you can't drive down the road because there's, you know, it's all sorts of potholes and rocks and tree branches and who knows what else blocking you. That's a big incentive. Okay, well, if I, I, have, tr I have to, you know, I have to go off road or, you know, it's very inconvenient for me to get things. That's a big incentive to move. I think uh, another incentive will probably be, at least for some people with certain medical problems, allergy problems and so on. The repopulation or like or people who own, who you have chickens and things, they're going to be increasingly frustrated because increasingly, they're trying to repopulate areas that used to be, you know, wolf-free and bear-free and so on. They're predator-free. They're trying to, you know, animals that humans don't get along well with. They're trying to repopulate areas like that, you know, rewild them with wolves and things. Another uh, tactic that they'll use, uh, mosquitoes and, and other GM insects, GM mosquitoes, that are going to cause, you know, havoc. And you know, how are you going to get that out of control out in the middle? And especially under environmental laws, you can't drain the swamps or you can't... Uh, and they're not willing to use the chemicals that they use to, you know, get rid of the mosquitoes and so on because they have the GM mosquitoes to get rid of the mosquitoes. You see, these GM, GM mosquitoes. Some people have been bitten by them and never had any previous history of allergies going to anaphylactic shock. And it was a big, you know, and it was overwhelming in Florida when they voted on, you know, whether or not they should use these Octotech mosquitoes. That no, we sh these are we don't know the health effects of being bitten by one of these things. We can't have this. But the, they've Gates already gone ahead of it anyways. And, and, and Texas also has uh, the, the mosquitoes released, I'm sure, of many other places. California. Yeah. yeah. The uh, the Bill Gates mosquitoes, yes. The ones that he uh, he released on the stage at one of his TED Talks. He says, oh, yeah, we'll just let yeah. everybody in the audience here have some yeah. of that. So, you know, how are you going to have insects control in these areas? Uh, that's another issue, I think. And, of course, energy shortages and so on. Well, again, the cities, the high economic activity areas are going to be prioritized is in terms of infrastructure and everything. So they're going to get the newer infrastructure and newer pipelines. And there's actually, you know, might be affordable, whereas, you know, the rural areas, they're not going to get any upgrades. And so once your infrastructure fails, who's going to pay for it? You know, probably, I mean, unless you're well off. I mean, basically, if you're wealthy, yes, you will still be able to live in a rural area. But if you're not wealthy, your your hands will be tied. And I think that's the idea. I think that's the, that's the strategy, you know, 
um, and also for jobs as jobs as well. That would be another reason. Of course, a lot of people will go to the city in order to make money and say, okay, I'm just here to make money. But since the rent is so high, energy prices are going to be so high, you'll be stuck there. And of course, that's that's been happening for many generations, even back in the Industrial Revolution. That's that was happening. You know, people were just going to job, going to the cities to get to get the factory job, and eventually, you know, they were going to go move out, and you know, they could have a family on a farm and all that. But it, of course, it never materializes because you just earn enough just to live, and that's it. And the same thing is happening in China as well. Of course, now you know you just get a subsistence wage, and you're stuck in there, and you can never, you know, buy your own home out in the countryside and have a idyllic, idyllic life. Um, so those are all strategies I think will be used. In fact, I, I, I mean, to a certain extent, they already have been being used for a long time, some of them. And I, I love how the uh, uh, the state is going to muscle people out of uh, their land as well. So, for example, we've had numerous cases across the U.S. And, of course, you've got it uh, here in Europe as well, where they've got the uh, emissions uh, rules, regulations, whatever it is they put on farmers here. Uh, they do the same thing in Canada. They're taxing cow burps in New Zealand, which is completely ridiculous. And then, of course, you have Bruce's. I'm going to trigger him now. You have Bruce's <laughs> favorite government organization, the Bureau of Land Management, that will come in and classify your land as a marshland if you have so much as a mud puddle on it. And they'll seize your land through eminent domain. Or they'll uh, just not allow you to farm on it or, you know, utilize it because it is, a, you know, designated a marshland or... Uh, don't get me started on eminent domain. That one, they can go in and seize your land, seize your assets, money, any whatever. It doesn't matter. Just because they said it could have been involved in drug-related dealings. Could have been. Could have been. Yeah, th th there's no evidence. There's no court order. There's nothing. It's just the officers said, we think it was used for um, uh, some kind of crime. And so we're confiscating it. 98% of all currency has drug residue on it. And even if they're allowing you to uh, use your, not not taking it away, they're under open fields. They can actually set cameras and things on your land without your permission or without your knowledge and just surveil you. And even, you know, for example, they could even plant if they really want your land. And I'm not saying I, I that they are doing this right now or that I know of all cases of this, but I'm just saying under open fields, since they can surveil you, without your knowledge or permission, put cameras all over your land. Another thing that, that theoretically could be possible is they could plant your drugs or whatever on there if they really wanted the land and say, see, it's been using for drug use, so we're going to take it for imminent domain. I mean, it's just out of control of the government. Yeah, the uh, places like where I lived and farmed, we knew pretty much every inch of the land. And because you were you were on every every bit of the land uh, it, there wasn't any place, any place that could grow something, at least around here, it's so flat. You're not going to be able to hide growing, you know, some pot in your field or something like yeah. that. There, there's no way that a government official would come in and grow something here. Oh, I don't uh, know. I've seen, uh, th this is, this is a true story. Okay. The, the town that I came from, there was some farmland on the other end of town, right? It used to be a farming community mm -hmm. many, many years ago, but uh, there was some farmland that was on the other end of town that was owned by a very, uh, a very prominent member of the town. Okay. I'll just put it that way. It was a cornfield. It was just a simple cornfield. Nobody paid any attention to it. It was just a cornfield. Nothing to see here. Move along. There must have been maybe a hundred cars that would drive past that same cornfield every day, right? It was on the other end of town. Not a lot of people went down there except for like residents or anybody that was just taking a drive. So about a hundred people a day would drive by this cornfield. Nobody suspected a thing. Until one day, the county sheriff's office flew over in a helicopter just on a routine flight. 
no reason to. They just flew over and they looked down and they said, oh my God, that's a marijuana field in the middle of that cornfield. And it turns out, uh, mind you, small town, and it turned out that within 24 hours, that marijuana field was disposed of. The field had been cut down, plowed under, and no one had ever heard about what happened to it. The only thing that the town found out, again, to keep this under wraps in a small town is not an easy thing to do, but people did find out who ran it, and it was two city police officers. So I have a feeling that That's... if they really wanted to grow something sure. somewhere, they could. Yeah, and 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 to your point, that's that's a farm, and it, it's my um, syntax. Uh, when when I say farm here, that that's kind of a term that the family used. It wasn't actually a farm in the sense of growing no, crops. Yeah. It was yeah, a farm okay. in the sense of a ranch. Well, so in that yeah, sense, farm for you guys is it, like difficult. ninety miles, ninety square miles. That's a farm for you guys. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it's flat. There's not a hill one in that 90 square miles. <laughs> so it, it it's a little difficult to grow something. It's your uh, backyard you know, is hidden. all that is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I mean, around here, it would be difficult. But the, the thing is, I want to say, uh, this is what I want to say. I don't know for a fact, but I'm pretty sure I know some of the folk around here that if the law enforcement came around and said, your your land was used for crimes or whatever, and we're going to take it. They would say over my dead body, and the law enforcement would be kindly escorted off the premises. Um, that's right. what I hope would happen here, and I know of people that that would be the case. I was telling a story to you privately the other night, Bruce. I was I was listening to somebody uh, talk about the town of Steelville, Missouri, and they had a council meeting one night, and they brought in a bunch of people from St. Louis to talk about regulation of people's well water, as in wells that are on their property that they own, okay? And these people put together a, you know, these academics from St. Louis put together this whole PowerPoint presentation to the townspeople that were in there, talking about how they would have to have the well water on their property that they owned taxed and regulated as to how much they could take out of their own well on their own property that they owned. The county sheriff had to give them a police escort out of town because the townspeople were ready to kill them. So I have a funny feeling that, and Bruce, you're telling a similar story. Uh, I have a funny feeling that when they start going for these backcountry communities, they're not going to take very kindly to those types. And this, this is the point I was going to last week when I was talking about these types of people that come into these towns. The ones that go through the universities that get indoctrinated into these programs, they come out, they're unemployable. That's why they go into government bureaucracies. They're unemployable. You cannot hire them for anything because they don't know anything. They feel as though they need to control you and tell you how things are going to be because you're a useless eater out there in the countryside. You're consuming too much. So they're going to control you and they're going to tell you how things are going to be. Yeah, they claim that uh, city dwellers... Because they're using public transport, their greenhouse gas emissions and so on are so much less than uh, the rural communities who have to drive everywhere. And uh, so, you know, that's one of the big uh, presses of why, you know, urbanization is so important, why everyone has to go urban. The thing is, is that cities don't really produce what they need to survive. They bring everything in from the outside. And so really, the real backbone of, you know, what makes civilization possible is in the countryside, if you think about it. But... Of course, the idea is is that they're not going to allow small farmers. They'll still allow big agri-food businesses. They're turning out GM crops for you. But, uh, I mean, that's their goal. And I think to a large extent, a lot of 
farmers, as far as I know, like the number of farmers in the, in the U.S. in particular, and I'm sure it's the same elsewhere, has, has dropped. And the average age of the farmers has grown up. Yeah, this is true. A lot of the um, family farms that were passed down from generation to generation, uh, the kids and grandkids of those families have sold them off. Uh, either it's because they didn't want to be farmers themselves, they were, had uh, grandier ideas uh, and moved to the cities or population centers, or it just became too expensive. Right. Um, yeah. uh, that's one of the things like uh, you have one bad season that can that can wipe you out and you're, you're bankrupt. Uh, so um, it, it's it's really a tough lifestyle, honestly. And, and the fact that this is the backbone of society and yet there's no we have all these safety nets for uh, the, the cities and, and whatnot, you know, the welfare stuff and everything. Why aren't we trying to make it easier for the farmers to farm, to, to provide for? And that's the only conclusion I can come to is it's because they want big agro. They want the corporations to own it because the corporations and the government uh, go hand in hand. They're, they're um, in bed together. Yeah, they uh, actually, I think they even pay farmers to leave their fields fallow. For so many years, like like you actually get paid or like some sort of su subsidy if you don't grow anything, if you don't yep. even use your land. And they claim, I guess, that's good to leave your, fallow, your field fallow or field, yeah, field fallow. That's, that's yep. the term for it. Uh, for so many years. But I mean, really, that should be up to the farmer, I would think, rather than the government. But uh, they make deals Missouri, with the government. Yeah. Uh, real quick, Missouri, mm -hmm. uh, the, the state I used to live in, they did that. And there was a professor that was... He, he did, you know, bringing light to this. He bought a bunch of land mm -hmm. and then just had it fallow for years. He made more money just having it fallow than actually growing a crop, uh, a, a cash crop on the on the land. So it it, it was, yeah, it, it's messed up. And I've heard the same thing about in the EU as well. Like, you know, like there's like a pig farmer, pig farmers like that get paid not to raise pigs and, and things like that. Just absurdities. Similar sort of things, sorts of things have been happening in Europe. And uh, this is uh, basically uh, if they can't put the little guy un under willingly, what they can do is just to pay you to just you know give up. I guess is the idea, um, which a lot of people will do because farm it is a hard life. Um, so that's another attack on basically independence and being able to have liberty and and not be constrained to these city systems where you the public transport only takes you to so many places and you're very limited in your movements and. Um, you're stuck in the city because the rent's so high and so on. Well, I guess if we all just have forced drugs and digital passports and social credit, then we'll all be free, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you certainly you'll feel um, you'll feel great because you, you'll be I'm sure you will. being happy. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure you will. You'll be drugged out <laughs> of your mind. You'll be sitting there watching television, uh, drinking Coca-Cola. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. There's please. so many dystopian looking. OK, so uh, my off time, I play video games, uh, you know, my free time. Uh, uh, the movies, the video games, all the dystopian worlds that they craft in there. There are so many little bits and pieces from each of those that's happening in the real world. You know, talking about the amphetamines and whatnot to, you know, it get, it's like that. That's literally the concepts from video games and, and dystopian worlds that like has been crafted. I mean, granted, they're all kind of playing off of the 
you know, Animal Farm and whatnot, uh, you know, and uh, previous books that are uh, dystopians are easy to create. Right. And they're they're more uh, dramatic. So uh, it makes sense. But it's just it's funny that so many of these dystopian worlds that we fantasize about, it's coming to reality, it's coming to fruition. Yeah. And I think Alan actually had linked to this before, but I think Microsoft was at the Xbox on Xbox. uh I'm sure if it was marketing, it was like like their you know video game division to do with Xbox and like you know how to market games. And I'm sure I'm sure was, they do create games too at Microsoft. But they they actually had a bunch of psychologists and things on there, just like with TV programs and so on. Like they have futurists and psychologists and all sorts of behaviors, all sorts of people come on to uh, help design and market video games and make write the story and so on. And so you realize that uh, you know it, predictive programming is a very real thing. I think. Uh, like I was just mentioning earlier, that you had the Halo with uh, the Halo series with uh, Master Chief being that super soldier type person who has the augmented memory. Like he he can connect his his brain with like the AI Cortana, and he he has that visor that you know the helmet that you know augmented reality again. Um, and he and also his his strength and speed and so on is enhanced by his suit. So I mean, like uh, you know, this is all based on stuff that the military is going to bring in in our current generation. You know, I think when you come back in two weeks, because you're not with us next week, I think we should talk about the MK Ultra program if you're down for it. Yeah, that's, that's a good topic. It is. It is. We've not really discussed it here before, but I would love to get into it. Do you got any final thoughts? Uh, again, you're not with us next week. Uh, what would you uh, like to impart to the listeners before you uh, head off for the week? Um, I guess what I'm trying to say is be suspicious of drugs, I guess, in this talk, because, I, you know, because the retext we posted on Sunday, I wanted to talk about that. And uh Really, of course, if they really, I mean, you should not need a drug to be happy. And just like I was mentioning earlier about, you know, that family in, in northern Canada that Western Price had t- took in the photo of and spoke. These people, you know, they didn't need to be, I mean, maybe they were. I don't know. Okay, we don't know, but for sure. But the point is, is that a lot of people, you, you shouldn't have to have these drugs. And t- generally, instead of taking a drug to be happy, maybe you should try to change something about your life in order to be happy. Uh, I would always say, you know, Maybe it's this, instead of, you know, taking the drug and, and trying to fix yourself internally, maybe you should look at externally and say, okay, what about my life can I change? You know, what, what can I do differently? And I think that that's something that's not encouraged in psychiatry because they really, as long as you're having sex and you have a job, I think Alan would joke, you know, that's what Freud would say. You know, as long as you're having sex and you're having a job, and you have a job, then you should be happy. And if you're not, then you're crazy. And you just should, should take drugs. You know, that sort of mentality is very harmful and it's, it's just soul crushing. And I think, um, you know... It, it's just against what's natural for humanity. I think, you know, we, we, we are, I mean, we're supposed to have free will. We're supposed to be free and we're supposed to be able to, uh, you know, live the way that we feel is right according to our conscience and, and so on. And if we, and this system isn't allowing it and there's calling us crazy and that we need to be drugged and so on. And in fact, we are uh, to a large extent, like I was saying earlier, like in my, in my class in high school, to a large extent, it's, it's been done and it's, you know, uh, I guess I, I highly recommend if you're on amphetamines or whatever to wean yourself off of them, at least if, if you can't quit right away because of withdrawal effects. I know some drugs have more severe withdrawal effects than others, but, you know, I mean, the drugging system is not, I just don't find it an acceptable solution to making people happy, in my opinion. Uh, I guess I'll end with that thought. And please visit cuttingthroughmatrix.com. Yes, your opinion is uh, well received, my friend. Uh, we will see you in two weeks. Again, Weston from CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com. I encourage all of our listeners to get over there and take a look at the treasure trove of information that they have and support their work if you can. They have a lot of great products over there for you to 
take a look at and possibly pick up one. I was asking about one just earlier, and we can discuss that more uh, in the coming days. So for those of you who'd like to send us some feedback, please do so anytime by sending us an email at dynamicpodcast at protonmail.com. Also, do you like the podcast you're listening to? We do love having you as a listener, and we would ask you to pass this along to five friends. If you know someone you're trying to wake up and get them to think on their own, we would appreciate it very much if you would send them our direction. Gentlemen, thank you for being here this evening. Thank you to all of the listeners. Everyone have a great evening. Thank you.